Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is a podcast where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. This is a podcast at the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts. Make sure you go over to scatteredabroad.org and check out all the various podcasts that we have each day of the week. Well, I hope you enjoyed our podcast last week. We had our 100th episode, my top 10 favorite moments on the Everyday Christian Podcast. This week, we are going to go into a study of First Peter. If you remember last year, we uh, in our second season of last year, we went into a study of the book of James. And I'd like to do this uh, the second half of every year for some of the episodes in my second season that year. I'd like to uh, go into a book of the Bible or maybe a couple of books of the Bible. So, Lord willing, the plan is for the next few months, we're going to go through First and Second Peter. If you have your Bible, you can certainly read along with me. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 12 on the podcast today. Well, before we do that, let's go ahead and briefly talk about an introduction to the book of 1 Peter. Peter's first epistle is a message of hope in the midst of persecution. He talks about the word suffering quite a bit in this book, uh, 21 times suffering or a similar word appears in this book. He points to the sufferings of Christ. He acknowledges the suffering of Christians. And he also points to a living hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Uh, look at chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes to Christians of the dispersion, as he calls it in the New King James Version. And these were Christians who were scattered abroad because of persecution throughout various areas. So, of course, persecution, if you look at Acts 8, verse 4, uh, the Bible says that those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And so persecution, in a way, it, it had the effect of spreading out the church and expanding the borders of God's kingdom. Well, Peter wants to talk to uh, these various Christians that are scattered because of persecution in the book of First Peter. He covers the fact that Christians were strangers and sojourners, or uh, pilgrims, you might say, in a foreign land. You can see uh, chapter 1, verse 1, also chapter 1, verse 17, and chapter 2, verse 11. And they were being oppressed by pagan persecutors, chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He also covers various struggles with sin, such as uh, malice, hypocrisy, chapter 2, verse 1, fleshly lust, chapter 2, verse 11, maliciousness, chapter 2, verse 16, discord, chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, lack of hospitality, chapter 4, verse 9, etc. So these are certainly things that people, uh, namely Christians, suffer with today, right? I mean, uh, all of my listeners, as well as myself, we suffer with various temptations to sin. We also probably suffer in some form or fashion with persecution. The Bible teaches that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer uh, persecution of various sorts. And so this is a very good book for us to study, and I hope that it will encourage us greatly. Let's go ahead and get into the first couple of verses of 1 Peter chapter 1, and this is going to be Peter's introduction to his book. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, 
and Bithynia. Of course, this is the same old impetuous Peter, right, that we're very familiar with. Uh, probably, if you were to ask, a, a, I guess, if you were to take a poll of people's favorite apostles, I bet Peter would be a large percentage of the respondents saying that that uh, he is their favorite apostle. I'm sure you'd get a lot of Paul and probably John and some others, but Peter would definitely uh, be on the list. Well, Peter, of course, was very impetuous. I do think that he was a leader uh, among the apostles. He was also in that inner circle of Christ's apostles with Peter, James, and John. But uh, he seemed like he was always one of the first ones to speak up, didn't he? And uh, certainly he he would react, and sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes not so much, but he was one to react. I mean, he was he was quick to think, quick to react, and um, he was very zealous. But I also think back to that time in the garden when uh, they came to take Jesus, and he took out his sword, and what did he do? He, he cut a man's ear off in John 18, verse number 10. So this is definitely uh, an impetuous individual in Peter. He's also the same old Peter who denied Jesus. Remember that? He denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. But here we have Peter much later in his apostleship and his Christian walk. This book is being written approximately A.D. 60 or so, uh, give or take. And certainly he has grown in his faith a lot at this point. In fact, we find out in 1 Peter 5 verse 1 that uh, he is an elder in the church at this point. And he's encouraging Christians to keep the faith in spite of the persecution that we have already mentioned. Well, he says, to the pilgrims of the dispersion. What do you think of when you hear the word pilgrims? Well, I think of Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think of the uh, pilgrims, the people who left uh, England, I believe it was, and um, they they came to the New World. They settled in what is now known as America, and they they really started this this new um, country. And uh, what were they doing? They were fleeing religious persecution, actually. And so that's the idea of a pilgrim, someone who uh, flees persecution. But did you know that we all, talking about all Christians, we are all pilgrims in a strange and foreign land. Every one of us, we are pilgrims. And no, I'm not talking about those people with the uh, black and white clothing and the funny hats. No, I'm talking about wanderers in a foreign land. In fact, sometimes we sing, here we are, but straying pilgrims. Maybe you're familiar with that song. Uh, sometimes we sing, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And that's the idea of a pilgrim. That's the idea of a, a sojourner, someone who is wandering through an unfamiliar land. And that's the idea of Christianity. We don't need to become too familiar, if you will, with this world in the sense that we don't need to become too attached to it. We need to realize that we're just passing through. And uh, when our time comes, we will go and be with the Lord. And so we need to remember that. Look at verse number two. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So is that talking about predestination? Well, it depends on what you mean by the term 
predestination. The Bible actually uses the term in Ephesians 1 verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. But what does that mean? Does that mean that God pre-selected the saved? He, he also pre-selected the lost before the foundation of the world, and there's nothing we can do to change that? Well, that's what Calvinism teaches, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we have free will. The Bible teaches that we can choose whether or not to serve God. I think of, for example, Joshua 24, verse 15. It says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, Joshua chose to serve the Lord. But the Israelites, they had that choice. They had free will. So certainly, uh, God did not pre-select before the foundation of the world, okay, I'm going to have this person saved, this person lost, this person lost, this person lost, this person saved, this person lost, this person lost, this person lost, this person lost, this person saved. You see how I did that? Because the Bible plainly teaches that the majority will be lost. So when it really boils down to it, Calvinism teaches that God is a respecter of persons, and he chose for the majority to be lost, and he handpicked those people to be lost, and he handpicked a few to be saved. That's not the God that we serve. No, we serve a God who is not a respecter of persons, and he does give us free will. He gives us the ability to choose whether or not we serve him. So when we see this word elect here in First Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it's not talking about predestination in the Calvinistic sense. It's not talking about individual predestination, I guess we might could say. It's talking about predestining a plan for individuals to be saved. It's talking about the, pre the predestination of the plan of salvation. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that eventually we would sin and we're going to need salvation. We're going to need a savior. And thanks be to God that our all-loving and all-knowing God foreordained through his determined purpose and foreknowledge that Christ would be crucified for us. See Acts 2, verse 23. That's what it's talking about. The elect, the ones who are saved because they have responded to this foreordained plan of God, this plan of salvation. Well, he goes on and talks about sanctification of the Spirit. Certainly Christians are to be sanctified. We are to be set apart from the world around us. And, you know, that's that's a growth process. Uh, you start out as a babe in Christ and you grow from there. We need to be sanctified. We need to be continually trying our absolute best to study God's Word and to grow in the knowledge and will of our Lord. And when we do that, that's us being sanctified in Christ. But notice also that that sanctification is to result in obedience. It is for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's what allows for our sanctification in the Spirit. It's the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Christ's blood makes it possible for us to be saved. Of course, uh, that blood is applied to us 
when we put on Christ in baptism, Acts 22 and verse 16. Well, Peter also says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. So that's just really a, a common uh, way to, to greet someone, certainly uh, as a brother or sister in Christ. Let's move on to verses three through nine, our living hope. Verses three and four, uh, Peter writes, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, ha who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Praise God for that, right? Were it not for God's abundant mercy, were it not for the death and resurrection of his son, then we would have no hope. Certainly, we wouldn't have a living hope, as Peter describes it here. But we do have a living hope, as long as the world remains. And we have hope in the form of the gospel, so that men can read it and obey it, and can have hope of this incorruptible inheritance in heaven. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It does not fade away, and it is reserved in heaven for us. Isn't that a beautiful promise? The promise reserved for a Christian. You know, recently, earlier this year, uh, I had a reservation planned for my wife and I and, and our children to go to a bed and breakfast. Uh, we were going to a particular lectureship for a couple of nights, and uh, we wanted to stay at this particular bed and breakfast that had really good reviews, and I was looking forward to the uh, nice accommodations at a reasonable price. And I was going through uh, my reservation and I saw, uh-oh, I was supposed to be there before nine o'clock. And it was like 9.30. And I said, oh no. So I called the lady up and I said, hey, um, I realize we're a little bit late, but we're planning on being there very shortly and wanted to check on a reservation. You know what she told me? She said, well, what is your name? And she was very confused when she was talking to me. I was like, uh-oh, this don't sound good. <laughs> and she said, uh, sir, uh, I don't have a reservation under your name. And so guess what? We had to make a different plan. We had to go to a different hotel that, quite frankly, I didn't like nearly as much. But that was, that was what happened. Uh, this lady gave our reservation away. You know what? We don't have to worry about that with God. He's not going to give away our reservation. You know, Jesus went to prepare... Uh, a place for us and in heaven there, there are many rooms or many mansions and he's preparing that place for us. He's not going to give that reservation away like that lady did. But uh, anyways, just kind of an interesting moment that happened to me recently. And, you know, I think about that and I'm thinking, you know what? People may do that, but God doesn't do that. Well, let's keep going. Verse number five. Who are kept by the power of God? Okay, so uh, the inheritance incorruptible, it's undefiled, does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for us, you know, as long as we remain faithful. And then it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And so essentially, Peter's talking about being kept safe through the power of God. No matter what man might try to do to us, we can rest easy knowing 
God's got us. He's not going to give the reservation away like, like I just mentioned. Romans 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? John 5, verse 24, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from life, or uh, from death rather, into life. Do we believe that? Do we have assurance? Uh, there are a lot of folks in the church, I think, who, who have this attitude of, well, I hope I make it. I don't know. That doesn't sound very assuring. We need to have assurance. Look at uh, John 10, verse 28 through 30. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. No person is going to snatch you out of the Father's hand, except for you can allow yourself right? You can allow yourself to uh, depart from the Father's hand, but no other person can do that to you. And so we need to remember that. We need to be thankful for the promises of salvation that are in Christ, uh, every spiritual blessing located in Christ, Ephesians 1 verse 3. We need to take great comfort in that and great hope. And we need to remember, hey, I've obeyed the gospel, and if I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, if I'm continuing to keep the faith, then when I depart from this life, um, I will go to the Father's bosom. And that's a, a wonderful, wonderful, encouraging thought. Look at verses 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been, you have been uh, grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Tell me this, is it ever going to get rough in the Christian life? Well, certainly. I'm sure that you have faced your fair share of hard times as a Christian. That said, though, the Christian life is still the best life that anyone could ever live. Because the life of a Christian, a faithful Christian, is the life of one who knows where he's headed. Peter says that we, like gold, must be tried in the fire, and that's what persecution does to us. It, it runs us through the fire, and undoubtedly that is difficult. But we become stronger when we pass through the fire. We become refined by the fire. And so what happens is, as we make it through the persecutions of life, the trials, the tribulations of life, we're able to withstand more and more. And ultimately, whenever this life ends, we'll receive the end of our faith. We will see, receive the salvation of our souls in heaven. So keep the faith. Keep on keeping on. Uh, get back on the horse. You know what? You're going to fall down. 
get back on the horse. Keep the faith. Everyday Christian, every day as you seek to honor Christ, as you seek to walk in the light as he is in the light, as you seek to honor the Father's will in your life, as you seek to serve, as you seek to uh, evangelize, as you seek to do all the things that he has asked us to do. We're most unprofitable servants, but hey, we should be trying to do the things that he's asked us to do. As you seek to do those things, remember where you're headed. Remember the end goal. Remember the one who saved you. And keep the faith. Don't give up. Don't backslide into sin, uh, willful, unrepentant sin. Don't give up on God. Uh, don't say, well, you know what? I'm struggling with this, and so I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to throw in the towel. No, don't do that. Do you realize what you're giving up? If you do that, you're giving up your salvation. You're, you're giving up. You're, you're falling. You're, you're going back. Don't go back. Don't go back to the pigs. Don't be like that prodigal son who goes off into a far country and wallows with the pigs. Don't do that. Get back up on the horse. Keep the faith, Christian. And remember these promises that Peter is talking about here in these first several verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. He's writing to persecuted Christians. He's writing to people who have it rough. He's writing to people who struggle. But he's reminding them of heaven that awaits when their journey comes to an end, when their pilgrimage comes to an end. Finally, verses 10 through 12. We want to get into a neat section here, and this is the hope that the prophets desired to look into. I want you to think about this. Christian, we look back to the cross. Jesus has accomplished it. He, he said, it is finished. Just before he passed away, he, he gave up the ghost. He says, it is finished. Jesus did it. He succeeded. He conquered death. He, he rose from the grave just a little bit later. He, he spent time again after he rose again and, and taught his disciples some more, and he gave them that great commission, and then he ascended. He arose to the right hand of the throne of God, and there he sits today. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and following. He conquered. Because he conquered, we can be more than conquerors as well through Christ. And so we've got hope in that. But we look back to what Jesus did for us knowing, hey, he accomplished it. But I want you to think about the prophets who were looking forward to Jesus for a moment. And that's what Peter's going to get into here. These prophets were looking forward and they were prophesying what Jesus was going to do. But you know what? It's it's almost as if they were kind of scratching their head. They were inspired. They They knew what Jesus was going to do because God spoke through them and said, hey, this is what Jesus is going to do. This is what the Messiah is going to do. But it's almost like they're scratching their head trying to figure out all the odds and ends of exactly what that is going to look like. You see, they saw it in prophecy. We can look back and see it as it was fulfilled. And there's an advantage there. And I think that Peter's trying to get at this when he says in verses 10 through 12, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. That's, that's the Christian age he's talking about. The grace that has come. Now we know it. We see it. We know that Jesus accomplished what he came to accomplish. The prophets, they were looking forward to it. They were uh, looking forward to a time that he would do it. We look back to a time when he did do it. He accomplished it. 
searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. Oh, what a privilege it is. When I was in preaching school, I remember we had to memorize these three verses here. First Peter 1, verses 10 through 12. And those were some of the hardest memory verses I ever did in school. Uh, really because of, the, I guess, the way that it's worded. And they're long verses. Three, Just three verses, but they're long verses. And I remember I really struggled with these verses. But I learned so much from them. I learned that these prophets were looking forward to the day when the Messiah would come. They, they could only dream of, of what we get to look back to now because, again, we, we look back to the one who, past tense, did accomplish it. We don't have to worry. Or what, you know, sometimes we sing that song, uh, 10,000 angels. He could have called 10,000 angels. I wonder if some of these prophets were thinking, no, this is God's plan, but... Oh, I hope Jesus doesn't call uh, 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free because, oh, we'll be in trouble. I wonder if they maybe wondered that sometimes. Well, we don't have to worry about that because we know Jesus did accomplish it. That's a wonderful, wonderful thought. Oh, what a privilege it is to know what Jesus accomplished for you and for me. Even the angels desire to look into this. Isn't that something? Even the angels. Well, that is what we're going to talk about in the podcast this week, Lord willing. Next week, we will get into the second half of First Peter chapter 1. Tune in next week. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.